yesterday it was just it was me and then all of the cons conservatives and today it was all of the liberals so i didn't hear any racist comments at work today i saw a bunch of people wearing maga hats but they were customers and they kept their mouth shut imagine still wearing that hat after the most embarrassing last five years of your life well i better put on my loser hat before i go down to pay four times more than cast iron is worth from a forest <laughs> trap 10 miles away from the nearest actual store for such products i mean honestly honestly jackson uh this is gonna sound like a, a radio dj bit but genuinely we do live in an area where people unfailingly support a completely shit football team so Here's the thing, though severeville it, as much as a conservative nightmare as Knoxville is, Sevierville is like way, way worse, which yeah. is crazy to me. I it's did a not little more rural. That. It's just a tourist. I've, yeah. I've been in the city for too long. For too, I forgot. I mean, it's literally like here when you're talking to someone who is wrong, mm -hmm. it, they like at least seem like a person <laughs> out there. It's like they're zombies. It's like they're <laughs> actual brainless drones. Yeah. It's like, I don't even feel like I'm talking to a person with a mind. <laughs> yeah, it's just somebody with jelly beans rattling around up there. <laughs> but like, what's up? You look scared. You look like Wendy Williams in that video where she has the seizure right before she has the seizure. No. Do you have a tab? Somebody has a tab open. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant like tab. <laughs> yeah yeah i did mean you have that. A tab. You have a tab. what's up guys welcome back to pizza spins my name is emily and i am here once again with angel winkleplek and jackson burnett because we have an insatiable desire for music and pizza yeah but we got we got infected by the virus so only one of us has the pizza this time i didn't get infected by the virus me and Emily got infected by the virus, and therefore we are recording distantly, and therefore only Emily has the pizza. But I had the pizza previously, so I still know what I'm talking about. Today we are covering one of the <laughs> Today we are covering one of the many albums that I have based my personality around. <laughs> Pretty on the inside by Hole. Now, if you have never heard of Hole, you have almost definitely heard of their disproportionately more famous frontman, Courtney Love. And whether you know her as a 90s counterculture icon or Kurt Cobain's homicidal wife, you almost certainly have an opinion either way. And if you don't, that soon will change. I hope this makes me indifferent to Courtney Love. I hope this whole episode removes my opinions about Courtney Love so I can be free. <laughs> Uh, you know what? It honestly might. I don't know, man. I want to be free of critical thought. I want to have a smooth brain by the end of this. <laughs> well, the thing that separates Courtney from her grunge riot girl contemporaries is not her association with Kurt Cobain, although it is understandable why one may think that. I think that uh, Courtney's personality and aesthetic precision is what made her the cultural anti-hero that she is um and she's also built for fame has a last name that's a famous word what great for fame I, I what are you saying she has a last name which is a very popular word which i don't is even think that's her real last name i thought i read somewhere that it was like some generic like like, like Mitchell or something. Mitchell, something yeah, yeah, yeah. Super normal. Did we no, both just say Mitchell for some reason? No, it's there's a lag and I copied you. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but damn, we are psychic. Sorry, Jackson. Where love came from. Hum? It says that her birth name is Courtney Michelle Harrison. Aha! Like, that's her, that's her maiden name. But it doesn't say that love is in a... Is like... An adopted name. Did she ever marry someone named Love? No. I think it's a stage name. Yeah, I think it's a stage name too. Because Courtney Harrison, I don't give a fuck about Courtney Harrison. From you said home. Courtney Michelle Harrison? Uh huh. Okay. That's a trust fund name. That's yeah, not a well, name. 
She is a bit of a trust fund baby. Um, but like a hippie one. Well, oh yeah, God. like her parent, her mom is like a psychologist oh. and or, or no, I'm sorry. Her mom is a therapist. And apparently like when she was in her early teens, her mom was just out, quote, doing her 70s thing, because I suppose that's just like an excuse that Courtney used. <laughs> I mean, she said it on the Howard Stern show. She was like, no, I forgive her. She was just doing her 70s thing. Meanwhile, like she went to like boarding school after boarding school and um, alternative schools and stuff like that while her That's mom crazy. was like across the country with people I guess just being free yeah no I actually didn't cover a lot of her childhood mainly because like I didn't want to do research on that uh, <laughs> fair I just like didn't care about that part because she was like yeah it was a good childhood I went I know that she went to boarding schools I know that her parents had a lot of money but they also were pretty, like, absent, and her relationship with her father wasn't very good. So she had a lot of, like, the grungy uh, influence, grungy emotional influences because she had felt abandoned, yada, yada. And a lot of that is on this album. But she says later in the 90s that she just, like, she forgives her mom. That's not what her music's about anymore. And I think you can tell there's a very clear uh, attitude shift. And sure, as you as you grow up and become an adult, like you, you you don't blame your parents for the same things you did when you were a teenager, right? Because you get much. older and you yeah. begin to understand some things, you know. Yeah, I um, did find while I was reading Wikipedia trying to find out where she got the name Love from, I did not find that, but I did find two interesting facts about Courtney's childhood. One, after her mom left her uh, biological father. They had a, a legal custody battle, and uh, it was claimed by several people, all of whom had motivations to do so, but it was claimed by several different people that her dad had given her LSD when she was like a toddler That's a couple it. of times. Father cool. of the year. <laughs> and it, um, also, um, it says that a one of her doctors, um, when she was a little bit older, uh, said that she exhibited a lot of symptoms of being on the autism spectrum. Obviously, at the time, they called it Asperger's. Um, right. But I, I would like to claim Courtney Love as, a, as an autistic icon. Um, <laughs> just because <laughs> I just feel like we need somebody bold in our corner, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. It's really safe over here in the autism community. And I think we should just be a little more unhinged just a little yeah. bit more off the well we'll get to the talking heads eventually yeah so oh, yes we fucking will um but yeah so i i i think that courtney is a uh talented lyricist and a uh maybe not talented musician but she has a very clear aesthetic vision and it's super obvious throughout all of her work she stays very consistent in her genre and style even still to this day. So I think that maybe if she'd been born in like the late 80s instead of the late 60s that she would be an influencer today. Like like maybe a MySpace influencer, like Jeffree Star or something. That's the type of personality that she has. That yeah. is the most damning thing you could say about <laughs> any No, but seriously, think about it. Think about influencer. What? Did MySpace influencer. Yeah, Jeff yeah, like Star. early two thousands MySpace Jeffrey Star. I didn't know Jeffrey Star had been around that. Long. Oh, yeah, he, he was making music back then. Time. It was shit. Anyway, okay, I compared her to Jeffrey Star. That opinion is also informed by the fact that she is controversial as hell. She has, like I said, an an extremely magnetic personality, especially for the moody poet types. But she, she was a loud and tragic individual far before she met Kurt, and his death only amplified that. But if you stick around long enough, you'll figure out that almost everything Courtney Love does has this emotionally stunted rich kid written all over it. I mean, and it just gets worse with time. The older she gets, the worse stuff that she says. Until very recently, she has taken in... 2018 she apparently was in some sort of conservatorship similar to what Britney Spears is going through and she 
can't talk about it anymore because apparently they threatened to do stuff to her daughter, a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Could be absolute BS. But what she claims is that she didn't have any control of, on her social medias between, I think it was like 2010 and 2018. So anything posted between that time, she is just like, that wasn't me. Very, very circumstantial for somebody that has said such controversial shit between 2010 and 2018. But I guess that's another story. Yeah, I think she was like, oh, that's really bad. I better lie about uh, a government worker tweeting for me or something. Like it was there is some there's some apparent validity to it but you know that's that is not what this is about i, I just about. gotta say i think live through this is a very rude name for an album that deals with the suicide of your significant other it's not it's not like that uh the album was actually set to go out you know th- th- it, it, i think it went out three days after kurt killed himself or no, died excuse me i don't want to get printed and everything before. yeah right yeah 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 now the tour we'll talk about that a little bit later but the the live through this tour was insane because she went on tour right after not only did kurt die but also um uh kristen faff i think is her last name um i i've never looked up how to pronounce it it's p-f-a-f-f um she also died she died of an od so and she was their bassist for a little while not on this record but in on lives through this yes on lives through this so anyway so there's a lot of crazy crap going on but it's not everybody likes and, and that's what i was just about to talk about um if people hate her they hate her either because you know they think that she killed kurt cobain or for a laundry list of bullshit antics that include but are not limited to using slurs in her music, victim-blaming survivors of sexual assault, transphobia, queer-baiting, and just being a total turfy pick-me-bitch. I mean, seriously, there are a lot of valid reasons to want to avoid Courtney Love, but today, we're talking about her band. Today, we're going to apologize for everything that Courtney Love has done personally. We are going to exonerate her. No, we are going to talk about her band because her band fucking rocks and to her credit they made it on the scene largely because of her unique personality and hustler behavior she's been doing this her whole life when she was 19 she approached bill gould from metal band faith no more and literally literally convinced them to let her front the band for six months between 1983 and 1984 This girl, Courtney, came along and she saw us play and made this huge pitch about knowing what we wanted and being able to do it. She was good because she was annoying as hell and really aggressive. Uh, the only reason I could find for her leaving the band was really vague. Like, um, in an interview, he said the, the industry became too overwhelming for her, but I, sub- I, I I have suspicions that she was the whole annoying and aggressive thing probably got to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, not industry or else she would not have continued to produce music <laughs> after that. <laughs> yes. Um, so Courtney would then spend five-ish years trying to form bands in San Francisco, in Portland for a little while. She moves to Anchorage to like find herself and she ends up like uh living in a trailer with a bunch of strippers and they're all stripping and that's how she's making her money and um in 88 she decided that she wanted to teach herself guitar so she learned guitar and by the end of the year um she had taught herself enough to want to move to la to try to start another band i say taught herself in air quotes because courtney was never a good guitar player uh, by her own admission i mean they had their very first lineup they had three guitars because she just like couldn't play for shit they had two other guitarists eric erlinson and mike uh maybe i don't know how to pronounce his last name can she still not play guitar does she ever pick it up she can play it but it's mainly just chords there's nothing Mm -hmm. there's nothing impressive about her like playing technique but to be fair that's not really why we listen to hole right 
So she moved to LA, found work as an actress on two Alex Cox films, which we talked about last time. What? She, she sucks so fucking bad in Sid and Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, it's not a complicated role. So like, I'll, I'll give her, I mean, it's not, it's a bit part. She wanted to be Nancy. She, I don't even think even she was annoying enough to play Nancy. Although I do kind of think Chloe Reed overshot it a little bit. Whatever. <laughs> she it was also in Straight to Hell, which I have not seen. Angel, I don't know if you have. No. No. I probably wouldn't. And this brings us to the summer of 1989, when the then 25-year-old Courtney Love took out an ad in an LA fanzine called The Recycler. And fun fact, a lot of iconic bands were formed through this scene. Um, the list is Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Dead Kennedys, Metallica, and Hole. So, maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing. I don't know. You got some good ones in there, but... Uh, <laughs> Rank them, one so, through five, go. <laughs> um, so, so Courtney's ad read as follows. I want to start a band. My influences are Big Black, Sonic Youth, and Fleetwood Mac. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. If I see that ad and I think, okay, this person wants to play songs that sound exactly like Kim Gordon and Stevie Nicks, I don't know what the fuck you want from me. Exactly. I, ju I don't know what I would take from that. But uh, she got many responses, one of which was from a man named Eric Erlinson. And Eric is 27 at the time. He is from LA. He is a college grad. He went to school for economics and marketing. His dad was also the Dean of Arts and Sciences at the school that he went to. So that's interesting. They both apparently have uh, relatively affluent parents. Parents that are in the, in the industry are not blue collar by any means. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so he, at this point, he, in addition to playing music, also had a gig at Capitol Records as a royalties manager. And I think if I remember correctly, he managed Paul McCartney and Janet Jackson. Wow. Which is cool, right? Like that's, that's pretty cool. So um, Eric and Courtney link up at a coffee shop and she's like immediately obsessed with him. One, because he's a good guitarist and is like emotional and like passionate and stuff. And also because he reminds her of Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. So, after they meet, they make plans to jam along with Courtney's neighbor at the time, whose name was Lisa Roberts, um, and she played the bass. And their first rehearsal together was super chaotic. Eric says that they, her and Lisa, showed up and they were just, like, dressed to the nines and they were acting out and they were screaming, like, poetry at the top of their lungs because they didn't have lyrics yet. And um, they did it for, like, hours, like, two hours straight. And he said that he was really skeptical, but he saw something in Courtney's style and voice and decided to stick around. I, f I feel like we, if I still drank liquor, I feel like we would easily just be dressed up fully screaming poetry just in, like, a parking lot barefoot <clears throat> somewhere. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks go by, Courtney meets this chick named Caroline Rue at a Guar and L7 show. And Guar? Courtney... They went to a Guar show? Guar and L7 played together. That's so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. And they this was in 89. Um, Courtney could tell that Caroline played the drums because she was watching D, L7's drummer. And in this interview where they're talking about it, Courtney's like... That was very perceptive of me, wasn't it? And they're like, yeah, Courtney, very perceptive. What do you want, Courtney? <laughs> For reasons totally unbeknownst to me, they recruited a third guitarist, Mike Geisbricht. And uh, this five-piece is the official original lineup of Hole, although it does not last long, like, at all. Um, <laughs> do they survive also the album? <laughs> no, it literally doesn't, no. No. Um, I think it's important to note that during the summer, she also married this guy named James Moreland, who was in a band called, like, Leaving Trains or something, which I've never heard of. But they divorced that same year. And there's this biography 
that is written by this poppy individual that like a lot of people have read it but it's like uh, up to debate whether its authenticity is up for debate so in this book this poppy individual says that Courtney once said that the reason why they broke up was because he was a transvestite and that their marriage was like a sham to okay, begin so with. that's where the transphobia comes in. <clears throat> Probably no, 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 no. That's oh, not more. It gets worse. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a, she's definitely I mean, again, might be different now, but she's definitely said some turfy crap. Mm. Yeah. So since Courtney had been in the West Coast scene for a while, she had a lot of connections, and one of which was Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, <laughs> he let them use their recording studio to rehearse, and at this point, they are playing anywhere and everywhere. Their shows are like quick, dirty, 20-30 minute sets, um, mm. and they're playing like a couple of covers and a couple of originals written mostly by Courtney and Eric. Who are, by the way, the only constant members of the band until their hiatus. They were basically hustling, playing wherever they could play, pulling all the streams that were available to them, and they played their first show in September of 1989, and it was at this place called Raja's, I believe. And by January of 1990, uh, both the second guitarist, Guy Spricht, and uh, Lisa Roberts had left the band. And there's an interview from the fanzine flip side from 1990 where Courtney says that the reason that Lisa left was because she went crazy over Eric. Like, like all she says is like, it was me and this neighbor girl. And then like she went crazy over Eric. And so like she wasn't part of the band anymore. But that's Courtney saying it. Again, you have to remember that it's just that's that's Courtney's opinion of the situation. So, you know. Courtney and Eric were sleeping together at the time, so that also could have been a factor. You know, um, there Lisa Roberts has never, like, denied anything. She's had zero online presence in 2020. As far as I can tell, she never did music again. It's very possible that she's just, like, someone's mom that was in hole for six months. Oh, yeah. imagine. Yeah. Mike, and Mike passed away in 2008. I know that. But that's about it for him, too, so... It's kind of crazy how some people like are in bands like bands that are very successful for very short periods of time. <laughs> yeah, and aren't even really a part of that particular band's success. We talked about it in episode one with Glenn Matlock. He was there for like a few months and he was one of the more like actual musicians in the band. But then he just mm-hmm. like dipped out and went to do his own thing and then it took off. I think that's so sad when somebody like leaves a band and then it takes off. But also, yeah. it probably would have been a different scenario if they had stayed. Like, it wouldn't be the same thing, obviously. So Right. That's Who something knows? you always have to remember. There's this, like, horrible YouTube video, or it's a wonderful YouTube video called, like, I was almost in TLC, I think, or something. And it's just this woman talking about how she was, like, almost, she was in it for a little while, and then she, like, quit, and then they got really famous or whatever. I just, those, I just find those stories, like, so heartbreaking, too. So Lisa is replaced with Jill Emery, who Jackson, you might know. I don't know if Angel, you're a Mazzy Star fan, but I know Jackson is. Um, she played in Mazzy Star in like the late, I think she, like from, it was, might've been like 90, my, I think it's 93. Mazzy Star is pretty much a duo. It's kind of like Steely Dan, where, like, there is a band, Mm -hmm. but it's really just, like, two songwriters working together, and then they have people they tour with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and and it might have not been the intention, but I think Hole kind of turned out that way, because it's really just Eric and Courtney at the center of it, and they, they have people come in and out. I mean, you know, uh, both Jill and Caroline Rue quit the band um after their first album so and then they have uh you know Kristen Pfaff and all those other people that we talked about earlier but um yeah it's crazy so they decided that with the addition of Jill they worked better as a four-piece and they signed with their first label which was Sympathy 
Fraternity, which I think is a really long title for a label. Also, it is in January of 1990 that Courtney Love meets Kurt Cobain, and I will tell a brief anecdote about that happening. Um, from what Courtney has said, there's a lot of different things that you'll see on the internet, but from what Courtney has said herself, she was going up to Portland to see Billy Corgan, because at the time she was sleeping with Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins, um, a band that I just cannot get enough of and can't wait to cover. Um, and Billy was, like, not into it, or he couldn't get her last-minute tickets, or, like, they were on the outs, or something like that happened. Obviously, she was aware of Nirvana. They had been in the scene for a minute. They had already released Bleach, I think. Um, and so she just went to see Nirvana, and she was like, I'm gonna sleep with him, actually, tonight. And they did, and she was, like, crazy about him after that could you imagine are our current courtney love and current billy corgan still in contact in any capacity are they still friends even though billy corgan's fucking crazy no they go on the out they go on the outs all the time like courtney love the only person that courtney's really really close with still is marilyn manson from what i can (laughs) tell for real like she when she got clean in 2018 apparently she stayed at marilyn's house for like weeks they comment on each other's instagram posts all the time they're like it was a she said something that was like, it was a pleasure growing up with you the other day. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. That is sweet. Anyway. I think Marilyn Manson is also a controversial figure, but I don't I don't have it concrete examples off my dome. So we'll just <laughs> yeah, I've put seen that some in. gross shit. Yeah. Like gross Marilyn Manson shit. But yeah. That is for another day. <laughs> Maybe I'll cover Marilyn. I won't, but I might. <laughs> So in April of 1990, so we're in 1990 now, in April, the so-called new hole, which is literally what Courtney called it, the new hole, the second hole. The new hole is less ambiguous. Uh, Courtney, Caroline, Eric, and Jill released their first single. And in true Courtney Love fashion, the title contains an ableist pejorative. So brief content warning for that. Retard Girl, and from now on I will refer to it as Our Girl, was recorded on the 17th of March for $500, with $500. The record label Sympathy just gave them $500 and they were like, record something. And so they were like, okay, we're gonna record this and then a couple other songs that we have been doing right now. And every song during that session was later released on an LP in 97, and it's called Hold the First Session. So if you want to get an idea for the type of songs that they were playing at the time, just listen to that LP. The cover art features the classic Hole logo and um, a close friend and member of the Riot Girl group Babes in Toyland, Kat Bieland, is featured hanging upside down from a tree on the cover of Our Girl. Um, And the single featured Our Girl on side A, the phone bill song on B1, and Johnny's in the bathroom on B2, which are all whole originals they're great at coming up with titles we got slurs we got johnny's in the bathroom (laughs) it's almost like just stream of consciousness shit they're just like oh we don't have a title and then it's just whatever thing comes to somebody's mind i know it's more thought out than that but well no i mean courtney's like really across the board like another interesting aspect of this release is that there are two references to a line from horace's odes which of course is a Latin a book and a Latin poetry book, um, and the the line is um, if I can remember from taking Latin eight years ago, "Velut inter ignis luna minor," which apparently means something like "small moon the small moon between fires" or whatever. I don't know. It kind of just reminds me of when I was obsessed with Carpe Noctum when I was a kid. <laughs> like, I would write it on my shoes and crap. It just kind of reminds me of, like, another version of that, you know? The phrase is found both in the album notes and on the back of the album over a picture of the band members, and they are holding the stuffed animals of the McDonald's mascot, Ronald McDonald. That sucks. Hamburglar is a way better choice. Or like Grimace. They should have gone with Hamburglar, yeah. They should have, yeah. Is Grimace the purple thing? Yeah, the big purple chicken nugget looking motherfucker. They should have gone with Grimace. Why, Why would you? Ronald McDonald, ew, no. I don't know, but that's what they did. And then they put that Latin phrase over it. So, you know, whatever. Again, it just reminds me a lot of high school. And, like, I just love it. Like, I just, it's so, anyway. So, uh, in the notes, 
in the in the notes on the release. It said like that that line that said recorded March nineteen ninety, thanks to Miss K Sugarheart Belljar, which I think is the cutest nickname for a friend. Um <laughs> and uh MLA Ferraro and also Lois at Evergreen, which I'm pretty sure I looked it up. I'm pretty sure Evergreen was a like coffee spot or something. Um so it was like very low budget, again, five hundred dollars. They were just putting like whatever they could get on it. Um, as far as the tracks go, so Our Girl was actually written by Courtney before the band even formed. And it's basically about this girl who was bullied on a school playground. And in 1990, Love had this to say about the track. Everyone thinks I'm making fun of some Our Girl, but it's about me. About the feeling of alienation. To which I, Emily Stiles, say, call it something else. <laughs> Yeah, literally come up with anything else. You are a privileged individual with and you're not fucking stupid. So come up with something else, man. And that yeah. what I mean is like she's not so stupid that she can't like that she wouldn't know better is what I mean. Yeah. Well, exactly, but she was being inflammatory and it was the 90s and words like that were used more often and in the circles where they weren't used it was inflammatory. She was trying to that's just that's who she is and it's another reason why a lot of people hate her. Has she, she says really inflammatory shit. Has she mentioned it since? I'm not sure. Uh, Courtney Love has, there is so much that she has put on the internet. Like she was in so many, um, like she was on MySpace. She was on Live Journal. She had like all of that early 2000s stuff too. So I'm sure there's some content where she's revisited it. I know that she doesn't like the, um, like 1990, 1991 stuff from Hole. I know that much. But does she not like it because it's controversial or because she just doesn't like making music like that anymore? That's I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I would like I would like her to apologize for it. <laughs> that yeah, would she be probably nice. should. Um, I know that in a later interview, she claimed that she wrote it after like escaping an attempted rape at work because at that time she was still stripping. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that, but she, she, yes, I did mention that when she went to Anchorage, um, and stripped, she lived in a trailer with strippers and they all stripped together. You didn't say that. I think that yes, I did. That's what? Information. Yeah, you, you didn't say that. You mentioned that she went to Anchorage. Yeah, and I said she lived in a trailer and... No, I would remember. <laughs> no, I remember I said it because I looked at you to see if you'd say anything because you lived in a trailer. <laughs> with my parents and not not strippers i would have had a better would have been more fun yeah. <laughs> would have had more money for sure okay well anyway she was stripping and that's how she was making her money and even when people would interview her she'd be like well i'm not at liberty to say where i work wink wink or like i work at this place called a hundred pretty girls and one ugly one or something like that like I work in a world with a lot of plastic, like that sort of thing. You know, a lot of the lyrics on this release and on Pretty on the Inside um, are definitely like, ref they definitely reflect her experience as a sex worker and a third wave feminist. Um, and conceptually, I'm on board, but like execution, man, like, just call it something else. As far as the rest of the tracks, Phone Bill Song and then Johnny's in the Bathroom, that gives me major Sonic Youth vibes. Um, Pre-Live Through This whole is very like post-punk noise rock with Riot Girl lyrics, which is what I mentioned earlier. I think that's probably why I love Hole so much. Um, they are my favorite aesthetic amalgamations. <laughs> and it also samples uh, If I Were a Rich Man from Fiddler on the Roof. What? Yeah. She just pulls so much shit out of left field. That might have been Eric. That oh, might have been true. Eric. That's true. I forgot that he was also helping out. Yeah. Well, people liked it. <laughs> I kind of like it. It's like... No, I think it's fun. Yeah, it's just kind of... It's strange. It's like Fallout Boy sampling the monsters. It's like, why? But it true. works. But why? So, reception... It was uh, inflammatory, a little polarizing, but like mainly it was hot in the scene. Like most people really dug in, they really wanted to see them. They garnered a lot of attention. Um, and then, and Courtney kept hustling with it too. Like there's an interview with this LA DJ who said that Courtney figured out where he went to breakfast every day 
And she would show up, like, with her tapes and beg him to play it, like, every, every day when, because he just went to the same place every day she would show up, which I, I, you know, I think that's kind of dope. Like, she's working hard for, uh, what, what she wants. And it worked. That's why he initially put her tapes on the radio. The first time that someone did that to me, I'd be like, okay, I'll put the tapes on. It wouldn't have to happen a second time because it would bother me so much. I'd be like, all right. Yeah, Yeah, I'd be like, are you really going to do this every... Fine, just give it to me. Yeah, maybe she'll get in there twice. I'm like, okay, you're clearly (laughs) crazy. So let's do this. So their next single is called Dick Nail. um, And it was recorded in November of 1990. There's a big jump between um, uh, our, our girl and... Dick now. I don't really know why. Um, I'm assuming it's because they were mainly writing pretty on the inside because between this one, between Dick Nail and Our Girl, um, they signed with Caroline Records. Um, but before they began recording their first album, Courtney sent a letter to Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth um, with tapes of them. Um, a note asking her to produce the album and a Hello Kitty barrette for persuasion. <laughs> that would also work on me. Yeah. I'm starting yeah. to think I'm not immune to Courtney Love propaganda. You're not immune to Courtney Love propaganda. I pro- Nobody is. <laughs> nope. That's what I mean. She's built for fame, man. Like she yeah. just, she can have a conversation. She is the most, literally one of the most charming individuals I've ever seen. It's scary. Um, and yet so like, you know objectively bad right so anyway kim was impressed with their sound and courtney's attitude and mentality about the album and she agreed to produce it along with don fleming the gumball frontman. never heard of the band gumball so but but just in case y'all have just know that um they recorded the album throughout march of 1991 um in music box studios in hollywood it was released that September, and it never charted in the United States. Um, but the lead single, Teenage Whore, reached number one on the UK charts. That's the single? Yeah. Teenage Whore is. Not pretty on the inside. Crazy. It's weird, I know. I think Teenage Whore is just um, like a little catchier, or it's a little more... I guess. I don't know. I don't... I like it. I just don't think it's one of the catchier ones. I think it's just very grating. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit more shocking, and like that's why people play it or something. Probably. Or maybe I mean, that's just a theory, but it definitely stands out on the album. Yeah. Yeah, we're at the album now, so we can we can talk about stuff if you guys that's want. My to. favorite one. I just listened to it a minute ago, and my favorite. First of all, the best track on the album would be Starbelly if they had mm-hmm. actually done something with it. That was really cool. It's basically just a minute and 46 second sound experiment. Yep. It's the only track on the album that doesn't sound like every other track on the album. Uh-huh. And it's very interesting, but then it just kind of stops happening. And it's like, it would be neat if this was played with more, like maybe put a song on top of it. Well, I wrote about Starbelly. I think it's kind of like an interlude, but I thought it was weird that if it is supposed to be an interlude, that it's put so late in the album and not closer to the center. Like it's also really. It seems mm-hmm. like an interlude because it doesn't sound like everything else, and it is a little more spoken. It's got like clips and shit in there. So. Yeah, I suppose an interlude by nature of the word has to be in the middle. But for me, it, it makes sense that it's towards the end. I don't know why. Maybe. I've I've just listened to this album for a long time, so I mean I have no problem why. with it. I just I don't know if it's supposed to be an interlude, but that's how it felt. But I I don't know. It didn't feel transitional, really. Yeah, it didn't feel like the, what's on either side of it is that different. It's just kind of weird. I don't know. It was weird hearing an album where everything back to back sounds like the same band, and there's just this random song tucked in there. That's so funny because I think it all sounds we're having this trouble every single time. Yeah, yeah. I think I think um every single episode we've had is just like all these sound the same. And then the person who really likes it is like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> like No, I know. Maybe that's just like what happens when you aren't immediately obsessed with an album. I, I don't know. I'm not like concerned it. about it with this one because 
grunge is one of those genres that good grunge is enhanced by bleeding into itself. And I do, I do think I've changed my opinion on this album since Emily played it for me. I do think this is a very good seminal grunge album. Um, so it doesn't bother me that all the songs sound the same. For me, this was a different experience than everything on Sex Pistols kind of sounding samey because uh, not to disparage Sex Pistols because I did really like a lot of the songs on the album, but to me, the sameness didn't enhance itself on that. Whereas with this, because of the genre and how heavy and pessimistic it is, mm -hmm. leading into itself, I thought was a good thing for me. Yeah, with Never Run Alex, the sameness just comes from them not really knowing how to play. Right. Um, it comes yeah. with them learning their instruments while recording yeah. to an extent. Um, they so kind of know, but they, they're, not, they're not fully musicians. I think it's different with Hole, where they are, with the exception of Courtney's guitar playing. I think one thing that um, will kind of tie this together in a pretty little bow is that Hole only played in like E and D for the first little bit. Like they, those were like the two keys that they played in. So that might contribute to the sameness because they are in the same key where a song in a different key or a different chord composition would strike you differently. Um, that That's one of the reasons why they sound so similar. Oh, what I was saying earlier, my favorite track on this album, I think, was either Baby Doll or Garbage Man. Is that Baby Doll is easily my favorite. Yeah, I love Baby Doll. Well, yeah, you... I'm, I'm, so, I'm literally so happy that we all agreed on that. No, Baby Doll's um, amazing. I think that you can really tell that Courtney has punk influences as well. I think you can tell that with this whole album because, again, it sounds very similar. It's very bare bones. So. Mm -hmm. It's so visceral. The language is so it it reminds me of Burroughs, man. And I know that you probably don't agree with me, Jackson. But just <laughs> I told him okay, so like Although very Burroughs did love grunge. A lot of grunge bands worked with William Burroughs in the nineties. William Burroughs kind of had a career revival in the nineties working with grunge bands and punk bands. See, there's yeah, something there in the seventies. Yeah, there's definitely a visceral really connect. liked Burroughs. No, I was just going to say, and on Baby Doll in particular, like her voice is very raspy and powerful and it's very, I think it, I think it stands out the most from all the other ones, even though all the lyrics are very visceral and everything. I don't know. I just. It, I really, um, she does this thing that's very common in grunge and also turns up in, in punk where she has this vocal quality that it sounds like if you played a chord on a guitar and then sustained the chord while slowly detuning it. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of singers in grunge and punk do that, but Courtney Love is like almost a virtuoso at it. Like she's <laughs> really, really good at it. And it's a weird thing to be really, really good That's at. That's another thing I want to talk about coming from a performance background, man. Knowing how much strain her vocal cords were under during those tours when I mean she even continues that screaming through live through this in some areas that was part of her performance she was trying to fight with the guys that she was performing against on tour she said that every night she would go out and try to scream louder than the last guy she had to get steroids on tour because her throat was like so damaged mm -hmm. Does yeah. she know how she, to healthily sing now? So she's probably well, probably not, man. Probably not because I think that's another thing. I think she wouldn't have it any other way, and I, that's stupid. You know that that yeah. I, that is very stupid. But I, I there's this authenticity to it. Well, another thing about her singing is like she. Uh, I I read somewhere that people had compared her to Johnny Rotten with his anti singing. Not yeah. to bring up the Sex Pistols for the ninth time in an episode. No, she does anti-sing. She's not a but, good singer. Yeah. But, but when she tries to sing stuff, she posts videos and stuff where she's like humming and singing along. She's, just, <laughs> she's not a good singer. I think I saw her cover Hallelujah. I think that's what it was. She was covering Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, who apparently might be a pedophile. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, like yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> talk about that interview at some point we have to. okay wait let's talk about it right now 
right now okay yeah so leonard cohen may or may not be a pedophile i'll never know because courtney love refuses to elaborate on any crazy thing she says this is one of my <laughs> favorite fucking things about her she will ramble in interviews and then she'll slip something absolutely fucking insane in like she'll be like oh yeah after the butthole surfers first moved to san francisco you know everybody was putting their cats in the blender and then she just fucking breezes over it yeah i was like what he says people what do you mean every blender and then does not elaborate just leave pizza. you to fill in whatever you want pizza spins podcast at gmail.com if you had any experience with cats and blenders i don't want images no I, no i want descriptions i want to know if it's related to or because of butthole surfers um, <laughs> yeah. we need to what year this- was it <laughs> yeah, if there, if if butthole surfers is responsible for people putting cats in the blender, we need to do something. We need to. Say no, that. I agree. We really do. I think that might be something that Courtney Love believes is a saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an idiom. It's something that her hippie mom said once, and she's like, "Yeah, everybody's putting." It's like drink yeah, the, the cat. For her. And the- but she's yeah, like, everybody's putting cats in the blender, and they're like, "Okay, Courtney." <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, but so so in that in that interview, she said something. Um, Jackson, I'm I'm telling this to you and our audience. She said something. Punishment. I've decided. For I was in the middle of it. Do not put Misto in the blender. I can't get no respect. <laughs> I can't get no respect around here. <laughs> Let me finish the sentence. Oh my god, that cat is so gorgeous. I love her so, so big much. Now. Oh, look at her beautiful face. She's amazing. She is like I very much like to be elsewhere. Oh. But what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about the the, the Leonard Cohen interview where Courtney Love. Yeah, just like she just says something like, uh, touches little girls at the beach or something. <laughs> I don't even think she says touches. She just says, later we found out that he was like with little girls at the beach and we're like when you say little girl do you mean like actual child or just like because sometimes yeah. people do that weird thing where they call a woman a little girl yeah so like well were you just doing that were you doing it in like the 70s rock star way or were you doing it in like a oh this person's actually like 13 way no i know it's very ambiguous but the thing that's even more shocking is what she was saying in the sentence was i love leonard cohen I don't even care about that stuff. Don't tell. She was like, "La la la, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. He's amazing. Don't tell me." Courtney Love was just really high at the beach one day and saw Leonard Cohen taking his granddaughter for a leisurely stroll. And she's like, "It was she's like something like, fucked dude, up is going on here." How old is? She? Um, hey, Leonard. One thing that I do really. really no. Oh my god, no, don't even say that because they found her name in Epstein's book. Who, Courtney Love? Yeah. What? What if Courtney Love like hung out with Leonard Cohen at Jeffrey Epstein's place? No. <laughs> okay, never mind. If you can introduce me to Leonard Cohen, you can have a free t-shirt. I swear to no, we were really hoping you weren't serious about that, Courtney. What? Fuck off. I love Leonard. I love him. Don't I fucking even get me on it. Don't even get me on it. I'm flawless in my taste. And Leonard, and one thing is Leonard. You know, you guys are just saying that because you're from here. Leonard rules. He, um, he like, I know this girl that knows him and he like picks up like, like little girls on the beach and has them go, but I don't care. You don't care? No, I don't care. He's Leonard. Oh, for shit's sake. He's got me through my hard times and I love him. That's all basically. When they saw Courtney's name in Epstein's book, Courtney posted this thing on Instagram that was like, I have no idea why I'm in that book. That's very frightening, actually. Like, that's so scary. Why am I in that book? And the only thing that makes me think that that is true, that she really doesn't know, is because she exposed Harvey Weinstein at one point. And so I feel like if she was trying to protect those types of people, she wouldn't have done that. But maybe I'm wrong. Unless, because she is such a hustler, unless there was like some sort of financial or career issue. I I don't know how much that would have swayed her. I think it depends. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that like I'm not gonna I say know that Courtney she's Love. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say that she 
always stands up for what's right and i'm also not gonna right that she could be pulled away from doing so by money but yeah. who knows i think it's real 50 50 yeah it's it is it's it's definitely alarming but you know who knows she says there's like whole gaps of her life that she can't even remember because of the drugs and being in the whatever conservatorship where they kept her giving her drugs or whatever but she seems safe and also her daughter's like really well adjusted and cool i think she did have a heroin problem for a little while but well you know (laughs) whatever um but yeah so that's that's courtney she's working on an album right now that's supposed to come out soon and i think i saw something um a couple days ago where she might have relapsed recently and is now i think 18 months sober i don't remember how long ago that oh was no i think like that was when after like i think that because she'd only be what 24 months sober right now if it'd been two years so you could have yeah the article could have been from six months ago yeah i think it was from a while ago because but... it was like september 2018 when she got sober <clears throat> I just don't know if we had talked about the relapse or not, because I know you said in the 2010s, yeah. which is 2018, that falls in there, but it's later. Yeah, it was like from 2010 to 2018. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, another thing is, I follow this like fan account that posted pictures of Courtney Love, um, mainly for this, and turns out that she is like the seven, it's a 17 year old girl that's running it. And she made an Etsy store or a Redbubble account and started, like, posting, like, pictures of Courtney Love. And, like, two days ago, she said something that was, like, Courtney Love said something to her that was basically, like, a cease and desist. I knew it. So, like, half of the Courtney... Okay, so it's really funny because there's, like, Kurt Cobain fan fan pages and they, like, fight with the Courtney Love fan pages. And the Courtney Love fan page posted something and was like the Kurt page even posted about it like this is messed up I no longer support Courtney Love (laughs) isn't that insane the fucking oh my god it's like fandom blogging on tumblr no it is it literally is I was like this reminds me of super hulak yeah like you you can't be you can't kin Kurt Cobain because I do (laughs) shut the fuck up Apparently she said something like she's going to bring down. Courtney was like, the lawyers will take care of that. Like It's a 17-year-old Courtney. She's not really taking that much money from But I me. also like don't think she knows. I don't know. I mean, I get it. I understand. I kind of get it, but it's like also Cuz I like, do think it's pretty shitty. stupid to try and sell someone's image. Yeah, why would you do that, dude? And not expect that to happen. Right knowing that that person has more money for lawyers than you probably do i don't know this 17 year old maybe they're a fucking heiress but still i mean no she looks like some random girl from like cleveland she probably is just let her get her money like posts like if you don't want to if you want to follow me like go to this account and i clicked on it and it was like Haley, 17 like heart my boyfriend or whatever and i was like oh my god so i can't believe that this was i was I thought that this we was like not. a re- normal 22-year-old running this page. <laughs> we should we should make it our mission to get a cease and desist from someone. What about the guy from Cannes? <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't remember his number anymore. <laughs> we'll have to tell that story at some point. When you move back up to Chicago, try to get a job there again. Hello. <laughs> I'm Jackson. I like calling libraries and schools and shaking them down for book money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have to wrap this up. Do we have any, does anybody have final thoughts on the album? Or I would like I would like to say a couple things about the album. Okay, first of all, this scratches an itch that is otherwise unreachable for me. This album does. Nothing else touches that part of me. That sounds so weird. No, I get it. This is your never mind the bollocks. Yeah, or or I mean not really. I don't know. I probably anyway. <clears throat> yes and um <laughs> it is my never mind the bollocks and I just I just love it. I just love it so much. I think that it is the perfect thing to just help you be the angstiest like 
Like it's definitely like beers or like you're, you're smoking and like you're listening to this music and you like hate the world and like this existence is so like bullshit. Like you didn't even ask for it. You know, like when you're really in those feels, this is like the perfect album for it. And like, even when you're 22, you feel that way. And Courtney Love was 27 when this album came out. That's great. That gives me more time. I know. It literally made me feel great. You know, Courtney Love was like, I mean, she was born in 1964. She's my mom's age. Yeah, no, that that is nice. That also is good for me. That means I have uh, at least three more years of, so well, yeah, about three and a half more years of solid rage in me. Right. Well, for me, I'm like, I have that long to make my pretty on the inside. And the, honestly, they didn't even get popular until Celebrity Skin was like their mainstream album. And that came out in 98, the year I was born. Yeah, that shit takes a while. I am 23, um, 23 and a half. And I am just now teaching myself an instrument for real. So do shit at Jack your own Black pace. Was, Who cares? Yeah, Jack Black was 22 the first time he picked up a guitar. We're starting a podcast in 2021. This shit died a decade ago. We're still doing it because it's fun. Yeah. If you're ever, if you ever want to look at a musical artist to see how long you can stay youthful and angry, just visit Roger Waters' website. <laughs> that man has so much angry energy. It's unbelievable. Admirable. <laughs> Dude posts like a 30 minute rant every single day and you're like geez grandpa are you okay then he uploads that another one. how i feel about angel every second geez grandpa are you okay no literally <laughs> you know, you know my close friend story on instagram just being like ah I'm like um yeah if you saw me repost the playlist no you didn't <laughs> So while Live Through This and Celebrity Skin holds other two studio albums are much more melodic and commercial, they had wider reach, nothing quite does it for me like Pretty on the Inside. There is an energy to this album that is to me unlike any other post-punk garage emo noise rock on the market. I think it does have to do with the marriage of my two favorite genres of music and literature, my favorite aesthetics, and I've always dug the kinder whore platform Mary Jane's messy red lipstick look. I know neither of my co-hosts are into it. I have always loved it. I am sorry. Earlier, I voiced a very intense opinion about it, and I don't really hate it that much, but I don't like it. I think it's strange, and I think it's really strange to see a 27-year-old woman who looks 27 doing it. If no, she was I like, love it, man. If she she described like it as utilitarian. How so? That's she not was utilitarian. Like, it's specialty clothing. It, no, she utilitarian it's, about a Peter Pan collar. I'll just send y'all the. I'll just send y'all the link. <laughs> it's not worth fighting us right now. No, it really isn't. Uh, but no, I've always dug that. And in the future, when we cover Live Through This and venture into a post-Kurt Cobain era hole, we will talk more about um, her performance art, stage performances, and, and um, crazy, crazy stuff like that, too. They forced her to go on tour literally a month after Kurt died. That's insane. I was going to say, was it the record company? Because I imagine if you have a bassist, right, die, and then... Um... Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. They forced her to go on tour a month after Kristen died. My bad. Well, Kurt I mean... died in April. She went on tour, like, in October. Still, that's crazy. Yeah. They had a kid. Yeah. I mean, what, even yeah. if the relationship might or may not have been codependent and weird, that's still very strange. Um, and I know that I, I think that sucks. They just wanted to make money off of her and they forced her. I mean, maybe she wanted to, maybe she wanted to be busy. I don't know. No, she said it was a bad idea. Mm. She talks about it in her infamous Barbara Walters interview where she's like, Barbara, I swear, like I blame myself. And she's like, but, but Courtney, the people want to know why did you kill Kurt Cobain? She's like, Barbara, I did with my words. It's just so, like, heartbreaking. She's, like, bawling. When she went on Howard Stern, she was like, that's the most embarrassing shit I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and then Honestly, Howard Stern was like, well, have we got a hell of a program in store for they you? They literally just, like, make out at the end of it. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Howard Stern's married. 
I think Courtney was dating dating the dude from um Oh, 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 Edward Norton. Edward Norton. She was dating Edward Norton at the time. That's just a fun fact. Not what very... worries me about Courtney Love is that she's a cancer, and so am I. And I know that I am only a few bad decisions removed from making out with Howard Stern after crying. No, literally, I looked at pictures of him and was like, mm, I, No, I don't want to make out with him. I just think I would do it because I think it'd be funny. No, yeah. it's actually really vomy. I thought about like <laughs> compiling all of the face, like um, a bunch of gifts of all of the faces that Courtney Love makes after Howard Stern's like, like, hey, you want to fuck me? And she's like, oh, Howard, you're such a, I'm, I'm, you're making me a misanthrope. Like, you know, she's. Can you compile those and I'll put them on the Instagram? I... You don't have to put this part on the show, but I would, I want to post those. That's really funny. Okay, yeah, I will. <laughs> if you don't I want me to. She's just so flirty. She flirts back with every every video you ever see of her. Any guy, they could be like spitting on her. They could be saying like, you are a piece of crap, and she's like, am I really a piece of crap? Like she just plays into it in this and and it's for the time before it became a pick me bitch thing to do for the time it was it was a little badass i just gotta admit seeing her like you fight those gender norms like i don't know i just yeah she's kind of doing the feminist owning her sexuality thing and right like, and that's like kind of old loud news for attention to us. being embarrassed about it sure like a, you know it's old news for us but i i don't know i dug it it was very influential for me and um, there's so much more to the whole story. I will save all of the juicy details for the other albums for another day. As far as my thoughts on the pizza, I know, I know that, that PJ himself, Papa John, whatever the fuck his last name is, some German thing. Um, <clears throat> I know he said that the quality has gone down and I, I think he might be onto something because like the sauce, way too sweet, crust is whatever. I love pineapple on pizza. That's the best part of this whole thing for me. But the ham is really rubbery and I hate ham on pizza. I hate it more than I hate chicken on pizza. I'm not expecting a lot because I know it's Papa John's. I know this isn't like artisanal pizza. But uh, I don't know. There is enough cheese on it. And I like the pineapple. So overall, four out of ten. Yeah, I love this pizza. I give it a, an eight out of ten always. What What puts it up in an eight for you? I just think it's like the perfect amount of sauce to cheese to pineapple ratio. I think the ratio is fine. I think the flavor is where it's like, it takes a turn. That might be true. <laughs> um, I will say I have not had the opportunity to try this pizza yet. Why uh, are we here? Don't, <laughs> just, just lie. 
I will say a couple of thoughts. Pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. Wrong. And I agree with Angel. I think the quality of Papa John's has gone downhill since they fired Papa John. That being said, Papa John is one of the biggest pieces of shit in the entire United States. And Papa John's pizza is still okay. So it's fine by me. Yeah, no, they they absolutely made the correct decision, even if they might have sacrificed some quality. Even though the quality has decreased, I am now more comfortable eating Papa John's than I was before. <laughs> well, before we didn't know, did we? There was like a two-year period where everyone knew that Papa John was a piece of shit before they got rid of him. <laughs> really? How long did he stay? Um, Why do I not remember I this? There was a specific incident where he was revealed to be a piece of shit well he said the n-word in an email i didn't know that actually yeah so i did not know that that was the big thing that's why they ousted him but i don't know if there were things before that people knew he was a piece of shit for a couple of years before because he started like he started going on fox news to talk about his damn political opinions for some oh, reason yikes no thank you okay yeah then it's no surprise that emails were leaked Perkins, our political expert pizza chain owner john pizza chain magnate well we have talked about three really controversial things today courtney love uh papa john himself and pineapple on pizza i feel yeah. very accomplished we did good yeah. we also touched on such controversial topics as Harvey Weinstein, Howard yeah. Stern, Jeffrey Epstein, maybe Leonard Cohen, possibly Leonard <laughs> Cohen, and for that, legal reasons, it. all of those are jokes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, yeah, next week um, we're going to be doing PJ Harvey's first album, Dry, um, and we're also going to be doing Friends Grecian Goat Pizza with artichokes. Yes, it's important that you add the artichokes. It's not necessary, but it does improve upon. Thanks for sticking with us if you did. And if you didn't, you made the right decision. We will see you. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed our cursed episode. We're finally going to get it out.